I, I piled in my truck and went on down the road to a place I had remembered many years ago, Wilderness State Park. When we got to Wilderness, uh, it's such a magnificent place because it, it, it has kept its namesake along the shores of Lake Michigan and the water just became blue like the Mediterranean and the waves were soothing and there was a rhythm to the sea, so to speak. My trip along the Great Lake shoreline in all its majesty uh, has been rather spectacular. Uh, of course, there's no place like uh, the Straits of Mackinac to see the billion stars above. Remember last night I went outside my truck camper and looked in the sky and there were so, so many stars. Uh, it's something that those of us who uh, have been accustomed to living in the cities never see because of light pollution. And I watched the people here at, at uh, Stone Bay and they seemed to, to, almost as if they were in church, walk to the water's, water's edge and just take it all in. The deep blue sea, the deep blue rolling waters of Lake Michigan. And they just, uh, they just sort of, you know, they, they demonstrate such a reverence for it. It's an easy place to fall in love with anyway. Uh, and uh, as I went to sleep last night, I kept thinking about these people that had made a campfire and how they're going to set the whole woods on fire if they weren't careful because the wind was really howling out there. Uh, but I woke up and the woods were still here. Uh, prior to that, I went to Sheboygan, which is another little sleepy lake here on town. And I mostly uh, was interested in going along the coast of Lake Huron. Uh, I started uh, with my daughter a while ago, about a week ago, I guess it was. Uh, she ended up going back home uh, as scheduled. But uh, we went and stayed at Tawas Point uh, uh, State Park, where the lighthouse is. And of course, Tawas Point is, uh, is out there about a mile into, it sticks about a mile out into Lake Huron and actually serves as a sort of a barrier for the migrating birds, which there are billions of up there. Uh, they have to kind of stop there or go around it, which is not easy to go around because the birds don't like flying that far over open water. They like hugging the shoreline. In any event, the shoreline there was, was, uh, was badly eroded and the beaches were pretty much almost washed out at, at Tawas Point Lighthouse. Uh, but it's a magnificent park. Magnificent park. Hold it, Charlie. Hold on just a minute. Charlie. Charlie, that's only a person walking. Hey. Well, Charlie, Charlie agrees that the shorts were, were like that. Hello, this is Arthur Bush. This is Radio Free Flint. 
and we're coming to you from the shores of Big Stone Bay, Wilderness Park, Wilderness State Park, Lake Michigan. The Mackinac Bridge is in the distance and the winds are whipping and fall is in the air. Well, with all that said, what am I doing way up here? Well, not long ago, I bought a truck camper to go with a beautiful truck that I was able to uh, come across. The truck was owned by a friend of mine who's now deceased, Robert Tate. And this truck had sat in his mother's backyard for nearly 10 years. Robert died two years ago. So I went to see his mom, Mrs. Tate. She was almost 90 years old. Of course, as moms do occasionally, go on about the old truck left in the backyard. I expressed some interest in the truck and eventually made contact with Robert's sister, Patty. And we worked out an exchange um, by the truck. And off I went to fix it. And my friend, he had this this uh, camper truck that I had been looking at since the winter and uh, was able to buy the camper truck from him um, at a reasonable price. One of the things that uh, is really cool about it is my friend is a former advertising executive for Buick and he, he owned a sign shop and when he delivered the truck camper to me, he had on the back of it Radio Free Flint, on tour, drive safely. So, with that invitation, I decided that I would begin to do some podcasting from, yes, from the kitchen table of my camper truck. So I hope you love this and some of the stories I'm going to tell as I go around uh, the place. It's just me and Charlie, Radio Flint, Radio Free Flint. And, uh, of course, yours truly. And uh, so today brings us to uh, the uh, sacred shores of Lake Michigan, 12 miles to the west of the Mackinac Bridge in Mackinac City. And it's a glorious place. The wind has been whipping, the waves uh, are up. And uh, a cold front has now moved in. Wilderness State Park, as I said later on in this, is a magnificent place. At 8,286 acres, Wilderness State Park is one of the largest tracts of undeveloped land in Michigan's lower peninsula. The majority of the park's many miles of Lake Michigan shoreline consists of wide beaches, 
backed by a diverse mixture of open dunes, coastal wetlands, wooded dunes, and lowland conifer forests. The park also contains some of Michigan's best mature red pine and white pine forests. Wilderness State Park conserves biological diversity by protecting rare natural communities which support a diversity of plant and animal species. The park's location as a point of land extending into Lake Michigan makes it important, an important restover habitat for migrating birds. The Calypso Orchid, Lake Huron Tansy, the Dwarf Lake Iris, Houghton's Goldenrod, and the federally endangered piping plover are some of the rare species found within the Wilderness State Park. By the 1970s, lumbering companies were operating within the present boundaries of the Wilderness State Park. One of these companies, the A.B. Clinsey Lumber Company, was active along Sturgeon Bay, cutting hardwood timber Along Cecil Bay, several lumbering companies operated in succession, the last being the Emmett Lumbering Company, which continued to harvest trees in the area until it closed its mill in 1917, two years before my dad was born. The lumbering, in combination with severe forest fires, removed most of the park's original forest cover. After much of this burned and cut over land reverted to the state for non-payment of taxes, in 1921 the state set aside several thousands of acres of the delinquent tax lands to establish Emmett State Game Reserve. In 1927, in an effort to preserve for public use some of Michigan's outstanding natural features, the Game Reserve was turned over to the Division of State Parks and rededicated as Wilderness State Park. Between 1933 and 1943, significant park developments in Michigan occurred as a result of the federal as, as a result of the federally funded work relief programs created during the Roosevelt administration that was after and during the Great Depression. Working in cooperation with the Michigan Department of Conservation, programs such as the Civilian Conservation Corps and the Works Progress Administration completed improvements in 53 Michigan State Parks, including Wilderness State Park. Few improvements were made in the park until the arrival of the Wilderness Civilian Conservation Camps Camp SP-4. Sometimes these were referred to as the CCC. The camp, which was located along a big stone creek, occupied from 1933 to 1936. During this period, the CCC constructed foot trails, rustic cabins, bridges, a campground, log trail side shelter, water systems and the lookout tower. The CCC work in the park was was followed by the Works Progress Administration in 1939. The WPA initiated the construction of the park's campground, bunkhouses, dining hall, 
and administration building. In 1950, P.J. Hoffmaster, then director of the Department of the Conservation of Michigan, called for a survey of state lands for the possible dedication as natural area preserves. In 1951, the Conservation Commission designated four natural areas within the boundaries of the Wilderness State Park. The Crane Island Natural Preserve, Big Stone Cecil Bay Nature Study Preserve, Sturgeon Bay and Sucker Creek National Area Preserves, and the Waga Shantz Point Nature Study Area. All this constitutes the Wilderness State Park here in Michigan, one of the most beautiful parks of the constellation of parks that we're so fortunate to have and that are for fathers and mothers of previous generation, the political leaders had such great foresight to leave as a legacy. Thank you. The plants uh, of our sand dunes here along the shores of Lake Michigan live under extreme conditions. Scarcity of nutrients, low soil moisture, intense sunlight, drying winds, and constant sand movement. To survive these harsh conditions, coastal plants have evolved special adaptations. If you look around here on the beach, you'll notice that some plants are light in color and are covered with tiny hairs that act as a reflective blanket, reflecting light to prevent moisture being lost. Other plants have narrow leaves which give them less surface area for moisture evaporation. The leaves of other plants may appear to be waxy or succulent-like, both adaptations for moisture retention. Although dune plants are sturdy enough to live in this dry, ever-changing environment here at Wilderness Park, they are sensitive to continual human disturbance. People are walking, using all kinds of all-terrain vehicles that damage vegetation and remove protective grass cover. That creates pathways that are vulnerable to the erosive forces of the wind and the water. There are rare plants that occur here in the Michigan sand dunes and along the beach. That includes uh, two with federal and state threatened plant status. Pitcher's thistle and Houghton's goldenrod are only known to exist along our Great Lakes shorelines. Although these plants differ in their specific habitat requirements, some phase of their life cycles are dependent on the dynamic nature of the dunes in which they grow. Sand deposition and blowouts can create new microclimates, including swales and vernal ponds where seeds can germinate. The survival of both plants is threatened by loss of habitat due to increased human activities and shoreline, shoreline activities and areas. Heavy foot and vehicle traffic represents major threats.
The piping plover in the Great Lakes is in danger of extinction. This small member of the plover family winters in the Gulf shoreline. Not right now, I hope. There's been a big hurricane there. Returning to the Great Lakes in search of nest sites in mid-April. Why is the piping plover endangered? Habitat loss. Undisturbed coastal beaches are rare. In Michigan's upper, upper Lake Michigan and Huron and southern shore of Lake Superior offer wide sandy beaches containing a sparse litter of stones. Changing water levels in the Great Lakes combined with coastal development make it difficult for plovers to locate ideal habitat. Their nests are disturbed. Piping plovers are very sensitive to the presence of humans. Too much disturbance can cause the birds to abandon the nest. Walking on foot or driving vehicles, they can crush the eggs. Loose dogs like Charlie will harass and even kill the birds. Charlie walks on the leash, I might add. Plovers feed by poking their beaks into wet sand and beach debris, searching for invertebrates, that is, tiny crustaceans and insects. Piping plovers create shallow nest depressions lined with small pebbles or shells. Both male and female incubate the eggs. The beach stones add to camouflage the eggs perfectly into their surroundings. Piping plover chicks are active soon after hatching. Though they cannot fly for 30 days, they will run along with their parents, feeding at the water's edge. When a nest is discovered, biologists quickly construct an enclosure around the site. The enclosure is fenced in, uh, fenced in with posts. This helps keep dogs like Charlie and humans like me out and yet it allows the plovers to run naturally through the fence to and from their nests. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the Nature Conservancy, and the Michigan State Park Stewardship Program constructs these nest enclosures and they monitor the plovers' nesting success. In my opinion, shorebirds are one of the most interesting and confusing birds to observe. Identification can be difficult and a challenge. The variety of shorebirds and shoreline types along the Great Lakes offer such a remarkable variety of species that are nesting and migrating through our area. So I'll leave you with uh, a few seconds here of what's... Uh, Lake Michigan's all about, which is the lake. And uh, I'll leave you like uh, Charles Corralt. Some of you might be a little bit too young for Charles, but he used to do uh, a segment where he left the sound of the sea, the sound of Lake Michigan. Take care. Bye bye.